we don't plan worship services to attract people. We plan worship services to attract the manifest presence of God, and the presence of God attracts people. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Elif. Uh, We have the privilege of hosting this podcast, and our hope is that each week you'll come back here and that God is speaking some things to us, Mm -hmm. that He's sharing what His heart is around revival and spiritual awakening in such a way that builds our faith, Mm -hmm. that that equips us, and and Lord willing, spreads and helps be a part of what God wants to do Mm -hmm. in our nation. So I, I know, Bill, the Lord has allowed you to be a part of moments mm-hmm. and has taught you you're a student of revival history more so than anybody I know mm-hmm. uh, and have seen those little R revivals in really cool ways mm-hmm. and long for. And and I, I, one of the things I love about you uh, is that you're a, you're a storyteller, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you love to tell the stories of what God has done and in many ways tell the story of what you believe God wants to do. Mm-hmm. So last week you started us on a journey. Yeah. Of what, hey, what's some truths about revival that you need to know? Right. You know, and here's some ways to help you prepare for and when you get there. Yeah. So I know you want to pick us, pick it up, and take us down the field a yeah. little bit more today. Yeah. So you know, uh, yeah, we started talking last week because when the when the extraordinary movement of God comes, it's a little scary. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. It, mm-hmm. In fact, it's real scary <laughs> because because if you're a leader, particularly. Right. Because you think, man, I don't want to touch this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt this. Mm-hmm. So knowing what to do and what not to do right. is really, really critical. So for three podcasts here, we're talking about what to do when God shows up. Mm-hmm. And we, if if you missed uh, last week, go back and listen to the first, the first six things we talked about. I won't even review them here. But I'll just pick up on number seven, okay? And number seven to do in times of revival is help help the leaders and and look to your team to help you. Years ago, I sat down with Richard Owen Roberts, who I think is probably the greatest authority on revival and awakening in our nation. He's in his eighties now, and I was a young pastor. This was in the in the nineteen eighties. And uh, and I said to him, Brother Roberts, do you do you think revival is coming to America? And he said, Well, I hope not. And I, it just completely stunned me. I said, Why would you say that? And he said, Because we are so ill prepared that I I think we would abort it. And and he said, I can show you in history where revivals have been short lived because we weren't prepared. One of the illustrations that he gave was Evan Roberts, who uh, this extraordinary movement in the Welsh Revival, and uh, towards the end of that, Evan Roberts uh, got so, I think, emotionally weary and so anxious not to touch what God was doing, and people were running to him, kind of idolizing him, that he got into some kind of strange practices that didn't help things, and um, and 
Brother Roberts told me, he said, you know, there were great men around him and pastors, godly, wise, seasoned men who could have really helped him. But they were afraid to mess with Evan Roberts because God was so using him. It would have helped if he had looked to a team and the team had had the freedom to talk to him and uh, and help lead this movement. So have a team that knows how to do that. Look to them. Give them the permission to help. And if you're on that team, feel the freedom to make suggestions. Say, what about this? Even in the middle of a service when God's moving, I, I've been in, in services where the Lord was moving and, and a staff member would take a little sheet of paper and walk up to me and hand it to me. And it was spot on what we should have done. And I, I, I could have never thought of that on my own. So uh, look to others for, for help. And then number eight, though, if you're placed in the lead, prayerfully lead with no reservations. I mean, you know, it's a good thing to be humble, but there have always been leaders in times of revival. Always. Whitfield. Mm. Uh, Finney, Evan Roberts, Jonathan Edwards. I mean, we can just go down the list. And the Jesus movement, they were leaders. Arthur Blessed was one of those guys. Uh, Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel in California. There were leaders that were that God lifted up. Some were young, right? Plenty of young leaders in the Jesus movement in in the nineteen uh, seventies. Well. Don't feel hesitant like, well, if God is pushing you to lead, don't kind of back off and say, well, I don't want to be too proud. No, if, you, if you're called to lead, lead, right? Step out if he's telling you to do something and feel the liberty to humbly lead under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Number nine, this is real important. When God is moving in revival, Gently correct all that would quench the Spirit. I remember in 2011, in this extraordinary movement we had here at our church, at the Summit Church in central Arkansas, that one time in that, in that five weeks, every night, three to four hours a night, one time, we had somebody come to a microphone and start speaking in a way that was just had a spirit of pride. I watched our whole congregation just kind of recoil at that. And in a minute, I just kind of gently put my hand on their back and kind of shut it down. I, I felt like, and if it had gone on, I would have stopped for a moment, maybe put my hand over the microphone and given them a little direction, right? Maybe a whole lot of direction <laughs> if if it was needed. So the devil is, uh, when revival comes, I want to tell you, you have kicked a hornet's nest with the enemy. And, and there are some people who are susceptible to the enemy's uh, temptations. They want to be seen. They want to be known in this movement that's happening. We need to be wise enough to discern that and then wise enough to gently correct anything that would quench the Holy Spirit. And kind of uh, going along with that is we need to be ever mindful of pride. 
I mean, when God starts moving and and people are getting saved and lives are being changed and and it's happening at our church where we are, there's a temptation to to tell people we ought to tell people because those stories fuel revival, but we we better watch carefully why we tell people and how we tell people. Uh, pride is is knocking on my door 24 hours a day. And my flesh wants to be recognized and known. And so you have to be careful. I remember during that movement of God, and people were being saved and baptized in their street clothes every night, just coming and being saved. And uh, I remember one day uh, we had had a number, I think it was 14 people just been baptized spontaneously in a night service. And somebody said, well, what happened last night? And I almost said 15. And I knew I was doing it. Just rounded up, you know, a little bit to kind of be ministerial about it. And the Lord said, what's your pride? And I said, 14. You know, I kept very clear notes of those things because I don't want to exaggerate, which is one form of pride. So be very careful. Nothing would quench revival more than taking credit for it yourself. So be mindful of pride. And here's another thing, uh, number 10 or 11, wherever we are, seize the moment realizing that this may never happen again in your lifetime. I mean, if we see a nationwide movement of God, and, and, and let me tell you what's happened in the past. There have been pastors and churches and denominations that have missed the whole movement of God. In fact, they've criticized it. They've downplayed it, right? They, they didn't realize that this is a moment in history where God is trying to bring a course correction, and they pulled back. I remember, again, in that movement we were experiencing in 2011, that one of the staff members, young staff members, came to me and said, uh, Brother Bill, shouldn't we alter our schedule back to what it normally was and so I can we can have our youth meetings or whatever it was? And I just gently, lovingly said to him, I said, look, you just have to recognize you may never see this again in your lifetime. And the Lord is doing things in five minutes that we couldn't accomplish in 20 years. And so just go with the flow. And don't resist what the Lord is doing and seize the moment in every possible way that you can. And then here's one other thing that ties in with that. Don't worry about the normal schedule, right? Let the Holy Spirit set, set the schedule. If he wants to extend the time of a meeting, let him do it. If he wants to call for multiple meetings on multiple nights, let him do it. In the Welsh Revival... Within two weeks of God exploding in Longor, Wales, I've stood in the chapel where this happened, uh, people were meeting all day long and all night long in every church in the city and in that region, and God had come. And the result was 100,000 people were saved in nine months. So... Again, it's being prepared, Kyle. It's right. getting ready. Right. And we've got one of our dear friends, a man who right. mentored you yeah. uh, on the podcast today that has been in this. Yeah, yeah, he's lived it and 
led in it in moments like that. I'm thinking about what, before we kick it to Steve here in a second, as you're saying, you know, the desire to be known or to watch the pride part of that. If you could get to that posture uh, of, Lord, we want to be on your radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we want, we, we, if you're looking for, if, you're, if the eyes of the Lord search to and fro right, right. for someone that he can use, that he can empower, that he, that he can send the fire to, mm-hmm. we want to be on yours, but we don't care to be on man's. Amen. We well, don't care to be on man's. Yeah. You know, we, we want ma- mankind, people to be changed by it, but mm-hmm. I don't have to be celebrated by them. And mm-hmm. I, I did. I, I had the privilege of coming to Christ in a mm-hmm. real move of God and saw the humility in uh, leader and a strong leader, but also walking in the authority. So mm-hmm. today we're, we're blessed to have the testimony from Steve Gaines, uh, pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church, but also what God did in an era and a season in, in Alabama. So let's take a few minutes and listen to this together. Well, we got a special interview here today. We got Dr. Steve Gaines, the senior pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And to our listeners, you've already heard me speak about Brother Steve to me in years at Gardnell First Baptist in Gardnell, Alabama, and a move of God. And uh, man, I'll try to say this without getting messed up. This is my first pastor. And this is the pastor to me that I came to believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's an honor, brother, uh, to be with you today and to take some minutes here. Glad to be here, man. And thank God for you and your brother. And uh, thank the Lord for your family. And uh, I just thank God for all that God is doing in and through your church. And we're excited to be here today. That's great. Man, I remember, I remember sitting in the presence of God at 19 years old. And I had a baseball coach, Coach Kitty, that shared the gospel faithfully with me and white hot for the Lord and inviting me into what I, I didn't understand at all. And I'm still learning about a real move of God. And so I walked in in 98 there and into the presence of the Lord and, and sat in a service and watched people worship a God I didn't know, uh, heard the gospel in a way that I'd never heard it before and came back the next Sunday uh, and was born again. You walked off stage and as you were walking off stage, I was passing you crumbling at the altar and, and being radically transformed. And in the years that followed, got to watch uh, what had already been happening at Gardner First Baptist and was ruined by a real move of God, by revival. And so, uh, Brother Steve, if you would, man, just share with it. We got pastors and church leaders across the nation that are, that are, that are hungry for revival and, and want to know like, what changes in a church when a real move of God comes. So maybe you can give a little before what was happening, what happened at Gardner and how it changed that church really forever. Well, I think that Gardendale uh, is an unusual church. It's always had the hand of God on it. And uh, before I went there, they had fantastic pastors, fantastic staff members, and they were always um, just a very uh, godly group of people. And so I don't in any one way want to take away from that. But I'll just tell you what was going on in my life at that time. I was, had been pastoring churches uh, for a while, and uh, I was in my third pastorate, and uh, I was, uh, things were going great. It was about 1995. I'd been there about four years, and um, the Lord was blessing. I'd been a pastor for about 11 years, 
and we were seeing starting to see a lot of people get saved and people being baptized and all of that. But I was worn out. I was just tired in my heart. And uh, I can remember in 1995, the spring of that year, saying, Lord, if this is all there is to it, if it's just more baptisms and more bucks in the plate and bodies in the seats, if that's all there is to it. I mean, I love you, but I, I'm, I'm wearing myself out. And I, I'm not enjoying this at all. Not that I have to enjoy it, but I mean, I just, I didn't, I, I just wasn't, I, I had neither had to be more. And so um, I met with a friend named Ronnie Floyd, who had gone on a 40 day fast. And uh, I couldn't even comprehend that. And I had gone on a 21 day fast before, but that I, you know, I, I thought I'd never make it through that, you know, and I thought, how could you do twice that? And, uh, but anyway, make a long story short, before the summer was over with, somebody had given me a book on uh, fasting and revival. And uh, I just knew the Lord was calling me to that. So I uh, started a 40 day fast. And when you even say that, you, you know, I'm afraid somebody will think that we're talking about earning something, uh, but I just had to, I just was at the point in my life that I thought, you know, it's probably now or never. I was in my uh, mid to late thirties. Uh, I'm 60, about to turn 64 now. So, um, but uh, I just was hungry for God and wanted, knew there had to be more. And <clears throat> so went on that fast. Uh, one of my best friends, David Jett, went on the fast with me and then uh, Russ Quinn started and we started showing up on Saturday night and just praying over the church. And we would pray over, we, we always prayed over the church on Sunday mornings, but we just had a bigger prayer. And before it was over with, we had dozens of people there and a lot of people started fasting and praying and seeking God. And uh, one morning when I was preaching, I was uh, about to get up to preach the special music, whatever you want to call it is right before you preach choir was singing and all that. And boy, the Holy spirit just spoke to my heart and said, you know, give the invitation before the, the sermon. And I literally in my heart, I said, Lord, we don't do that. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said in my spirit, uh, you do now. And so uh, I did. And before I preached, seven people got saved and then I preached and seven or eight more people got saved after that. And we were in two services at that time. And so that went to the second service. I said, well, that was unique. And Lord said, no, it's not. Do it again. And so uh, I did. And more people got saved. And then uh, after the sermon, more people got saved. So four different invitations, only two sermons. A lot of people got saved. And that night, uh, Kyle, the place was packed. We still had Sunday night services back then. And nobody had invited anybody. It was just God showed up. And that was about 1995, right in there. And man, uh, it was the fall of 95, I think it was. And God just started doing some great things. And our sanctuary seated about, I guess, 12, 1300 max. And uh, somehow, some way, uh, over the next year, we were running uh, way over 3,500 in worship. And uh, there was several Sundays that we would hit over 4,000. I don't know where we put, you know, we, we, we violated every uh, church growth rule there is. And I'm not saying that to brag on us. It was just the Lord. Everybody knew it too. It wasn't me. It wasn't uh, the choir. It was the Lord. And so 
I, I like to say it this way, God showed up. Uh, you know, we want God in our schools, God in our government. But, you know, Jesus in Revelation 3.20 was not knocking on the door of somebody's heart trying to save them, although I'm all, that's fine, that's great. But that verse is Jesus knocking on the door of his church, trying to get into his church. And I think that when God comes to church, that's revival. Um, it's when the, the glory of God fills the house of God. And it's hard to describe. I mean, it's kind of like describing your marriage when you love your wife. How do you describe that? You just, it's, it's beyond words. But how do you describe, way, way even beyond your marriage, how do you describe God's presence? All I know is, I know when it's not, okay? Right. <laughs> and when, and when, when the Lord, his manifest presence comes, uh, it eclipses, he eclipses everything else. And you just know that you're on holy ground and you, you don't want to mess it up. Uh, I, I like to say that, uh, you know, we don't plan worship services to attract people. We plan worship services to attract the manifest presence of God and the presence of God attracts people. People are hungry for God. That never gets old. You can never get too much of the presence of God. And so that's not, that's not, it's not something that you can plan. It's not something you can make happen, but it, you know, church is not a performance. It, uh, the audience is not uh, the, the people in the pew. Uh, the audience is God and we're all, uh, we're all worshiping and it's all about him. It's not about us. And, um, just welcoming the glory of God. Yeah, just obviously that for years, there's this lingered move of God in Gardendale and more and more people, I mean, hundreds of hundreds, if not thousands of people are coming to Christ, being baptized. But there's such an, I, I remember when I came to know the Lord and I was getting to know men, like real men in that church. But what blew me away, I, I thought that for someone to follow Christ, they, they had to become domesticated. You know, one of the biggest turnoffs to me to the faith, because I was around, I grew up in rural Alabama. I, I heard about Jesus, obviously, and was invited to churches. But it felt like to to be a guy that was a part of the church, you, you almost had to check your manhood at the door. But when I walked into Gardendale and in this season where the Lord was moving, I saw real men really passionate about Jesus. Right. And it blew me, it blew me away. And so just seeing that in the church, I remember coming on a Sunday night. And I, I sat down beside Danny Hearn, uh, and he's pouring sweat on a Sunday night. And I said, man, what are you, I just got to know him. So what are you doing? Why are you sweating? He said, well, after church this morning, I had to run up to the lake. They had somebody that was using their lake place. I had to run up to the lake, get them all set up, family or somebody was coming in from out of town. And, and then I had to get back here. And I said, so, well, man, you, you know, you could have missed, couldn't you? And he, I remember him looking at me and goes, Oh, I'd never miss, never miss. Because he, and this is the phrase, he said, I don't want the phone call later that, hey, you missed tonight and God showed up. And there was just this anticipation. So maybe, Brother Steve, you could share, what was, what changed in the, in that hunger in the church in those years that really, it ruined so many of us. It ruined, you got, you got, you got by God's grace, out of those years there, you got pastors all over the place that share that same Art now and are seeing that happen in other churches. So what do you think the Lord was doing, you know, and some of that changed people in the church? I, I think it's uh, living for an audience of one. I, I still go back to that. I think that, uh, you know, getting away from the fact that we're, we're not trying to grow the church. 
uh, I'm not against church growth, but I feel like it's a uh, it's something that results out of revival instead of uh, something that we're just to pursue. I do think we're supposed to witness. You know, I think we're supposed to share the gospel. I think we're supposed to uh, serve people, invite people to church, and all those things. Whether God's manifest presence is as thick as we think it needs to be or not, right. but I do think that when the Holy Spirit really comes into a room and anoints the place and it's just different. And when you try to describe it, it's really hard. It's almost indescribable. It, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when uh, Jacob was at the foot of that uh, stairway that went to heaven, he said, uh, surely uh, I've been in the Lord's house, you know, and the Lord has been here. And uh, I, I don't know, man, uh, how you describe all that. I mean, how do you describe God, you know, but I do know this, that there is a difference and I do know that there's more. And I think that that's what everybody, all the people are looking for. I think that, you know, people that are church growth people, they think that if we get more people, uh, that will be the the case. And then the Pentecostals believe if we get more of the Holy spirit, that will be the case, but it's not, it's not really that. And I'm not putting down anybody uh, Pentecostals or anybody. I'm simply saying, though, it's where we surrender to the point where God has more of us. Mm -hmm. He's able to do what, not that he can't do what he wants to do, but we allow him to work in our lives in such a way we become humble enough and we become um, vulnerable enough that we just say, Lord, have your way and do whatever you want to do. So there were times, you know, that we would, uh, it was all about his service. We wouldn't just go through perfunctory in the worship time, we might uh, sing another song. We might sing right in the middle of the sermon. We might, you know, uh, I remember one Sunday we sang the whole time and I never preached. We gave the invitation. A bunch of people got saved. Uh, We had witches saved. We had uh, people of the LGBTQ plus movement, people saved. We had and delivered. And we had uh, had a lot of things happen like that. And so, um, you know, I, I think that it starts with the leaders. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a Psalm that the Lord really showed me back in the day uh, about how important it was for the leadership to be uh, in, in sync with the Lord. And uh, it's Psalm 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. One, one thing that happened was the whole staff got together mm-hmm. and we said, you know what? If there's anything in this staff that is going to hinder revival, let's get rid of it. And so we all made a a commitment to love one another and to serve in humility with each other and to humble ourselves. Mm -hmm. So dwell together in unity. There was great unity in our staff. It says it's like to give two illustrations. It's like the precious oil of the head coming down the beard Mm -hmm. of Aaron's beard coming down from the edge of his robes. And it's like the dew of Hermon. This is Mount Hermon that supplies uh, the, all the water for the Jordan River. Jordan means descend from Dan. Dan is the northernmost most, uh, uh, of the uh, tribes of Israel. And it's right there by the Mount Hermon. And so all that water flows down from Mount Hermon, coming down from the mountain of Zion, uh, up on the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing life forevermore. I give all that simple say you got, you got all flowing down, you got water flowing down and you've got unity flowing down. Mm-hmm. And so when the, the pastor and the, the staff members 
come together in unity and start praying for revival. And then the deacons and the teachers start praying for revival and all the, the uh, committee members and the leaders start praying for revival. It flows down into the church. And mm -hmm. so I think that's why the devil constantly uh, is fighting leadership. He's always fighting leadership in the church. He always wants us to be torn up and messed up. He does. He's doing that right now in our convention. And, you know, he, that's, that's what's going on. The devil's just trying to tear us up because he's trying to strike at the leadership because he wants to destroy the head so that the rest of the body can't function. But when you have unity in the leadership, revival flows down like an anointing. I felt like, man, the, the spirit that was in the church, everyone was looking to the Lord. You know, as, as God was using you, he was using other people. But we, we got past people real quick. And there was this hunger, this genuine desire for Jesus. I mean, just for, for Jesus to be exalted and praised and knew he could change lives. And so it was awesome. I, in those days, it shaped even what I'm living and Lord willing leading in now. And I, I say oftentimes the greatest apologetic on planet Earth is the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Because what are you, you going to do when God walks into the room? You know, we've had people born again here in, in, in the years of ministry and and I think like what you said, uh, Brother Steve, is so clear. It's hard to describe, but you sure know when he's when he's not near, <laughs> when you don't, when when we're in the way, and and everyone can sense when he is, when he is. Well, I got that. I got that from an African American brother. Somebody asked him what is revival. He said, "I don't know what it is, but I sure know when it's not." <laughs> I, I, I think that's right. I, I I don't know exactly how you know. How do you describe? God, how do you describe anything about the Lord? But when his, in his presence is the Bible says his fullness of joy and at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I pray that every day out of Psalm 16. And uh, I just know that uh, once you experience that, it's not that you're better than anybody. It's not that uh, other churches are not good, but you it, church light <laughs> doesn't, it, it, I think you said it, it ruins you. I mean, the rest of your life, you know, there's more. It's kind of like, uh, I, I go to Israel. I've been there 15 times and I went one time with a guy that I just did his funeral about a week or two ago. He was the COO of all the Baptist hospitals in West Tennessee, including ones in Memphis. So he was a big time guy, but they, for him, when they retired, he, he said, we're going to send you, David, we're going to send you and your wife. And then we're going to let you, your pastor go because he's been several times and, and you guys will go together. Well, when we went with him, we stayed in a lot better hotels than the hotels that I stay in when I go there. Okay. So, so, and, and I told Don, I said, this has ruined me. I know there's better. Okay. <laughs> so every time, every time we go to Israel, I'm saying there's a better hotel right over there. <laughs> and so every, you know, when I go, when I'm in a service and it's not really happening, I'll say, there's more out there, man. I'm telling you, there's more. I've, 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 I've had better. <laughs> Well, Brother Steve, just one part to the pastor, just right there where you're at. If you were just over a cup of coffee with a pastor that's listening today or church leaders that are listening, that are hungering, hungering to see a real move of God in their church, in their area. I mean, how would you just encourage them not to give up, to keep pressing in? Yeah, well, the one thing I would tell anybody, you or anybody else, me or anybody else, is it's all your focus. If your focus is this way, you'll never experience revival. And what I mean by that, if, if your focus is starts out with reaching people, you're, you're out, you're out. 
You say, what are you talking about? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and the God of the kingdom. And there's just something about getting this way mm-hmm. instead of this way. And, and, you know, it's interesting in um, Acts 13, when those prophets were ministering to the Lord. Don't you love that? They were ministering to the Lord and fasted. They were praying. They were ministering to the Lord first. Then God spoke to them, and then they ministered to the Lord. So we minister to the Lord. He ministers to us, and then we minister to other people. But what happens, Kyle, is we just want to minister to people, and we want to grow our churches. Well, you know what? The worst trouble David ever got in on was not what he did with Bathsheba or killing her husband. It was when he started counting the people in Israel. And God killed, I think it was 70,000 people because of that. And so I'm just, you know, we, we're just so proud of, oh, we had this meeting. When you're constantly talking about numbers, just be quiet about numbers. Good night. Stop talking about, you know, we had this many baptisms, this many people got saved, this many people in Sunday school. Who cares? Who cares? How much of God was in there? And when God shows up, more people will get saved, more people will be in the Bible study than you ever dreamed of. Uh, but just don't focus on the numbers of people. Focus on the Lord. And I just think it's, it's just redirecting your focus, man, and putting your focus on the Lord. And that's where you got to live the rest of your life. Man, well, thank you for your time. I know my heart. Well, is, let me let me let me just say this real quick. I've got a friend here, Bill Street, who was uh, there the latter part of it, and then Noah said him. Could they just say a quick word? I would love for them to. Okay, Bill, say a word there. Uh, my first time to come to the church was probably about 1997 or 1998. I came on a Sunday night. I'd been talking to Steve and hearing what all God had been doing for a long time. But I came to the church on a Sunday night. I was on the way to Atlanta to a John Maxwell conference, if I remember. I walked into the church probably about 30 minutes before church started. The choir was just warming up. I mean, they weren't, you know, full blown. They were just warming up. And when I walked in the front door, there was such a sense of the presence of God. It just, it brought tears to my eyes. It was just the realization God just touched my heart and said, mm-hmm. I am in this place. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just surreal. The only thing I know to even compare it to was uh, a few years ago, uh, my wife Dana and I went with Steve and Donna to the Brooklyn Tap. And uh, we had been up in Simbola's office, service had already started. Dana and Donna were probably 20, 30 feet in front of us and the guys opened the door for them to walk in and we were walking in. And it was almost like on a, on a hot day when somebody opens the door and there's the, the cool air that's coming out, the presence of God was that real. Right. I mean, it, it, it was, I don't know how to say it other than it was the presence of God. Amen. If I can just say a quick word as far as somebody who walked into it, two things that I saw that really uh, kept things going. One was, uh, Steve has mentioned David Jett as the associate pastor. It not only was it Steve from the pulpit and every other place, you know, being used by God to, to be the voice and face and all the other things, but Jet was right there. Uh, Philippians 1.27 talks about uh, that, that he hears of them standing firm in one spirit with one mind. 
striving together for the furtherance of gospel. Jet and Steve were of one spirit that's really doing that, uh, leading it. And the other one was music. Uh, you, you have to have a minister of music that is going after God. Uh, that is just absolutely essential. So those are a couple of things that I would uh, say as far as observations. This, this is Noah Siddham. And just real quick, uh, he'll say a word. And I just want to be, these are two of my best friends. So Yeah, Kyle, you know, uh, you know, you and, and Brother Steve and Bill all saw what the Lord did at, at Gardendale First Baptist. You know, I've, I've not seen that. I've, I've heard about it and I've read about it and I've prayed for it, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm probably representing a large portion of even people who are listening here who have not actually been part of that, who have not actually seen it. I feel like, you know, what Habakkuk wrote in Habakkuk 3.2, Lord, I've heard the report about you and I fear. Oh, Lord, revive your works in the midst of the years. In the midst of your years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Amen. You know, I've, I've, I pray all the time, Lord, I've, I've heard about what you can do in, in scriptures. I've heard even in recent history about what you've done, but I want to see it with my own eyes. I want, you know, like Moses prayed, Lord, show me your glory. Uh, and, and the Lord has really convicted me lately um, that really, um, I think the reason I don't see the Lord move is because I probably don't believe the Lord as much as I say I, I believe him. Um, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 17, uh, 20 and following, that it was because of the littleness of their faith that they weren't able to see the Lord move uh, in the life of a, the demon-possessed uh, child. He said, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So for me, um, I, I think it really points back to my own faith a lot of times. Of Do I really believe what the Lord says when he, when, uh, in the scriptures? And I'm praying that, I will be able to, to see the, to see the Lord work in that way and to, to experience that. Uh, and I'm grateful for guys like you and, and for brother Steve and Bill and others who have seen it. Um, but I want to see it myself. Right. And Noah just came off of a 40 day fast. So uh, we've got uh, another thing we're doing in Memphis and I'll be quiet. Uh, we're doing Memphis prayer 365 where we've got uh, dozens of churches praying and we're going to have Memphis prayed over 365 days a year. Uh, every minute somebody will be crying out for Memphis. So we're, we're doing that now. Bill's in charge of that. And we've really gotten some great uh, things mm. to get on that. So we're praying for it to happen in Memphis, man. We want, we want God to open the windows of heaven, pour out Amen. a spirit upon us. And we believe if it hits in Memphis, we're right in the middle of the nation. That's why FedEx is here and everybody else. So we want it to go to the whole nation. Amen. Believe in every word of that with you. you, know, you got a lot of people here in Arkansas that are believing that. And there's pockets popping up all over the place where God is awakening this desire. Know what you shared, be encouraged, because you got a lot of brothers uh, in ministry around your age that's believing for the next great move of God. And I think we're, men we're, like beyond, we're beyond a political solution. That's right. If God doesn't show up, we have no hope. And, and honestly, we've been here before. And the Lord did show up. And, Amen. and I believe it's going to happen. I remember that. We'll end with this. I remember coming out of the presence of the Lord, Bill, to what you said about worship. And, and I was born again. And I was walking across the street because you had to park at Winn-Dixie. You remember like we didn't have any parking left. And, and for the first time in my life, I felt free. And I'm walking across the street and I had my hands stuck up in the air. 
walking toward Winn-Dixie, and I didn't know worship or know why I did that. And I remember people walking across the street to go to church, and you know they had to be thinking, man, church is good if dude's walking across the parking lot with his hands. hands <laughs> because, and I, I say that to say just to our listeners today, man, when the Lord's moving and setting people free, Amen. everything changes. Amen. Everything. That's, your, that's the Lord's best advertisement is a changed life. Amen. Exactly right. Well, Brother Steve, we love you. Thank you for taking the time uh, to share what's on your heart and what God's used you in. And we'll catch up another time. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Well, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I got to live in life changed mm-hmm. and forever changed. And that it just makes me think, Bill, you know, I, I've heard you say about this often, you know, coming out of the Jesus movement, I believe uh, for decades now, decades, we've lived in the, the wave of what God did mm-hmm. in the lives of leaders. You're one of those leaders, mm-hmm. many leaders. And then I, I was blessed in this little R revival mm-hmm. that shaped my life. And I know other pastors that mm-hmm. have had moments like that. But what we need again is that movement of the Lord where the next generation of followers of Christ and leaders in the church mm-hmm. are forever changed. And who know how to steward that right. moment. Right. You know, how yeah. to move into it. So we're going to pray for it, right? Yeah, let's do that. Let me let me begin and uh, why don't you close. And, and as always, uh, on this podcast, please don't listen to this right. prayer. Join us at the throne of God right, right. now. Right. And uh, as we cry out to the God of revival. That's right. So, Father, you are the reviving God, and Lord, we hear stories like this, and we pray with the psalmist, oh Lord, would you not yourself revive us again, that your people would rejoice in you, and we pray for that, and Lord, we pray we'd get ready as much as you can, Lord, we would we would prepare a highway for our God. We would pull down the high places and lift up the low places so the king of glory could come in. And we ask that, Father, not for our sake or or to be known, but Father, we ask that we would play our part yes. to help accelerate the movement of God and cooperate with the movement of God. Mm. Lord, I agree with all of that and just say, please, mm-hmm. Lord, please come. Please move today. Please move in the heart of someone, uh, Lord, listening today. Lord, let the, let the ember, God, just catch fire. Mm-hmm. And then, Lord, I pray it spread to somebody else and then to a church and to a city and region until it covers the nation and world, mm-hmm. uh, Lord, that lives might be changed, Lord. So please Come again. Please give us faith for it, Lord. Yeah, give us right. faith. God, I ask for that gift, Lord, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, to believe mm-hmm. who you are. It's mm-hmm. not just believing to believe. It's believing in you and your work in the world mm-hmm. and your work in our life. So I pray you do it for your glory. Yeah. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the One Cry Podcast. And we want to remind you that you can learn more and have all kinds of resources by going to the OneCry website, onecry.com. And on there, you can begin with a seven-day personal revival uh, journey. And there are sections for your church, how to pray for your church, how to pray for the nation, how to pray for revival in your community. 
And we also want to encourage you, as always, to share the One Cry podcast with others. Uh, And we'll hope you'll join us every week.